0: Welcome back to a new episode of Conversations with Cohen. I'm your host Greg Cohen. as uh, as we've been doing all season, we've been addressing many of the issues that the leadership of law firms have been focusing and uh, front and center in many of my conversations is with regards to recruitment and retention of staff as well as uh, as well as partners, uh, associates. So I thought, in my continued effort to uh, try, try to help solve some of these problems, I'd bring on a subject matter expert today to help address them. Um, today I have Jonathan Friedman on the show, and as I like to do at the beginning of every show, uh, Jonathan, if you'd be so kind to introduce yourself to us.
1: Greg, absolutely, Greg, I appreciate the opportunity. So our firm is Friedman and Williams, and we have a division that is also called Grant Maxi. Maxi. Um, as, as a whole, we support the law firm industry pretty heavily, in all areas of administrative and attorney placement. Uh, some of our clients are the larger AM Law 100 firms around the country. Uh, and of course we work with the small to mid-sized organization regionally and locally as well. Our business really surrounds all areas of technology, accounting and finance, marketing and business development, human resources, legal assistance, paralegals, and our again, our grant maxi division, which started about a year and a half ago, is strictly focused on associate attorneys Clients of ours across the country. So appreciate the opportunity, Greg. Would love to talk more about what we do in the industry, learn more about your organization, and certainly be
0: of good service and value. So thanks, Jonathan. So I think first thing I'd like to to understand is why is it so hard to hire talent right now?
1: Sure. You know, that's a great question. It's obviously a a trickier answer. Uh, The biggest reason that we're seeing about The ability to hire good professionals is competition. Every firm is going after the same individual. Salaries have really skyrocketed over the last 12 to 18 months. Um, And firms really have to roll out the red carpet and not only interview a candidate in terms of why the candidates a good individual for the firm, but why the firm is a great place for the candidate. And unfortunately, a lot of firms are not recognizing that they're not um, proceeding through the interview process in a a quick enough pace um, and losing candidates to their peer firms are happening all around them every single day. So, you know, obviously, there's just tremendous competition. Uh, The demand for talent is out there. The workload is out there. um, And certain firms have really done a great job in mastering the ability to find the talent um, and then get them in the door as quickly as possible with an offer they can't refuse and then prepared for the counteroffer and that's obviously happening probably 35 to 50 percent of the time where firms are recognized that they can't afford to lose the talent um, strictly based on salary and it's uncovering all the other components to the hiring process as well
0: so if we strip out the uh, the, the speed um it sounds like there's more structural yeah. issues at play so Um, How do law firms make themselves more attractive places to stay? Sure.
1: Well, obviously, culture plays a huge part in that. Um, Obviously, it's the entire kind of user experience from the employee perspective uh, that candidates are looking for. There's no longer a value to just offering employment. It's what comes along with that employment. What is the day-to-day environment like in or out of the office? What type of career path can a candidate find with that organization? That does not mean that you need to work for a a large AM Law 100. A smaller practice could offer a great career path for an individual as well. But again, it goes back to, as a employer interviewing a candidate, how are you gonna separate yourself from your peers in terms of convincing, you know, Michael or Mary, this made up individual that your firm is the place for them, not only for today, but for the foreseeable future. And that is something that a lot of firms have not necessarily done a great job on. They just assume we have an opening and we can call that opening a billing position, an HR position, a a staff accounting position, and that the job in today's world is not just the job anymore. It's about the platform to get them to where they want to go in their career. Money's always going to play a role in that, But money is not really the main factor for most candidates anymore.
0: So paint paint the picture of Michael and Mary. What are Michael and Mary saying to you, Jonathan, about what that user experience should look like?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, the first item everyone wants to know, whether we want to believe it or not, is what is my expectation to be in the office on a weekly basis? Um, How often could I work from home? Um, you know, obviously, that was not really a topic of discussion a couple of years ago it is absolutely the number one topic candidates are going to come back with. You know, it used to be salary. It used to be benefits and cost of benefits. Those two are still right there, number two and number three. But it's the expectation of how do you might commute, especially for someone who's a little further outside. If we're talking about a job in New York City, as an example, Anyone who lives in New Jersey, and lives on Long Island, anyone who lives a little further out, you know it's how much time am I going to put back into my pocket or how much of that commuting time can I put towards my work? And if I'm a non-exempt employee, can I take advantage of from additional overtime? That's been a huge factor for us. And that's a major separator between firms that are deciding what type of plan are we going to lay out over the next couple of years? Is it locked in at this point? such as two days in, three days out, or something like that, or firms that are saying, we're gonna still reevaluate after Labor Day. And from a recruiting standpoint, that is a dagger for us because we don't know how to sell that to the candidate. Or if they're being interviewed in August to start a job in September, October, if they don't know what the future culture of the firm's going to be, it's very hard to convince someone to make a move now without knowing what it's going to be like again in the fall or maybe even the beginning of next year. So a lot of firms really need to clean that up right now, first figure out what their long-term strategy is going to be and then be able to look for the right talent to match it all mm. up. Um,
0: so you talked about time and the time and, and, and working very quickly to, uh, to once you identify a, a talent to, uh, to actually bring them on board. Can you can you share the the recruitment process um, and can you help us understand how to how to handle counter offers successfully?
1: Sure. Yeah, I'll give I'll give you a great example. So just yesterday, um, and obviously I won't mention any firm names. I won't mention anything. We'll detail the the type of position, but we had a candidate interviewing with three firms for a billing specialist position all based in Manhattan. Two of the firms were Manhattan-based, what's called the mid-sized firms. One is Midwestern-based with a sizable New York office. They basically all were competing with each other for the same talent. In a, in a hiring market that wasn't the world we're living in today, the candidate probably would have accepted 10 to 12% less in terms of salary. But when you have multiple firms competing with each other, it's like buying a house at the, the Jersey Shore or at in the Hamptons these days everything is inflated um, you have less inventory which is an individual a candidate just like a home you have more people looking to buy that inventory it's driving the process forward it's also expediting the entire process of getting that person through the initial resume review stage all the way to the offer stage as well. so it is also important for the client to recognize, we have a limited amount of time to make that impression on the candidate, to give them a great opportunity, to be ready to counter that counteroffer as well. You know, Obviously a lot of the firms out there, they're recognizing that if, if this candidate is made up, Mary, who might be a biller, if she's looking to make a move and it's just based on money, we can solve that. But again, if we solve that with Mary, How does that affect the other 5 10 people on the team who might be at a similar peer level in terms of compensation? If we retain her, pay her that 10, 12, maybe even 20% increase in salary, how does that set off a bigger problem of internal equity? And that's obviously that continuation where many clients we've seen would like to retain their professionals at all costs, but they have to be very careful. Unless they're willing to obviously offer that same salary increase to other members of the team at the same level, some who've been with the firm even longer. Mm.
0: So, so it sounds like um, not sounds like it is. It is. Be prepared going into the process to uh, to move a candidate along quickly. Be prepared for uh, for the inevitable counter offer or com- competition that's going to uh, take place and yeah. be prepared ahead of time for that so that you can act quickly because the scarcity of you know human capital is so great that um, that it's that it really is a uh, an employee's market
1: Oh absolutely I mean you, you you said it perfectly I mean you know the hiring market this summer compared to last summer. Compared to the summer prior, each looks a little bit differently. Different. Um, I would kind of feel that over the next six to 12 months, we're going to stay in the same kind of mold. Uh, But I'm very curious what's going to happen by next spring and next summer of what the hiring market is going to look like. I think what a lot has happened is a lot of the professionals that when we started the pandemic to where we are today, um, we've seen the demand for smarter, brighter, more technically savvy professionals. And that really goes in every single type of administrative function. A lot of firms are saying, if we used to have a team of 15 people, what do we really need long term? Could we do better with 10 great people than the 15 people we had previously? And I'm going through that right now with one of my clients, also locally, Again, example, also in a a finance department. There's a lot of people on this team that have been with the firm 10, 15, 17, 20 years. The problem that we're facing in that area that has never been more visible as it is right now are those individuals are really outdated in their abilities. They're doing the same job in August of 2022 as they did in August of 2015. They're not embracing that change. They're not keeping up with technology. They're not, they're doing the job that's on their job description, but they're not forward-thinking. They're not focusing on business strategy. They're not bringing ideas to the table. They're not embracing all the opportunity out there for them to learn and grow. They're just really doing their job. So there's a great opportunity right now for candidates, and it could be a junior uh, year out of school an individual to come in and make a real difference at an organization by having an entrepreneurial mindset, having gravitas and an ability to speak up, um, having the ability to make a good, strong presentation. And that could be a short little something in front of the managing partner, but having the ability to make a difference, stand out from a crowd is a great lifeline right now for someone to really take advantage of this opportunity set themselves up. We're seeing a lot of clients asking for young, motivated talent that is looking to take a major leap forward at this stage in their career. And firms are embracing that because they see that if I can bring in Michael or Mary that's that can come in with new ideas, I can mold a team around them over time. I can put them in a good spot to be mentored and groomed. And then over time, They can be an amazing asset maybe become the manager of the team down the road. So it's really a dramatic um, opportunity that's happening in the
0: marketplace. Um, So your comments made me think a little bit about this theory that I've heard out there, which is um, if we do see recessionary type of environment take uh, take effect and suddenly the um, the the power shift changes um do you get the sense that um that that your clients are taking notes right in those little you know right in that list of the people who are going to be first out who aren't necessarily uh, playing playing so nicely in the sandbox or who are, who are uh, you know who who have taken advantage if you will or in their eyes have taken advantage of the situation to say you know what it's either on my terms or or or, or no um, is that is that in your sense? You know, yeah. Is that I would to?
1: think so. I would think so. Again, if we talk about a team of of ten people in an organization, again, it doesn't matter what administrative function we're referring to. You know, again, I think the the attorney side is different. That's a billable function. The paralegals are a billable function. Uh, the workload is there, and as long as the workload is there, there'll be there should be some good opportunity. But I think that a partner or a partnership group or, or an EC. They are looking at the value of each person versus the salary that person is commanding. And if they're doing their job when business is booming and good, everyone's needed. If there's a pullback, a recession, I think there will be a time where firms are already having those, that administrative list built out. So if you've got a team of 10 people, I would think it doesn't necessarily rank it from top to bottom. But there's an opportunity for the firm to say, if I had to cut X amount of dollars off of our budget to just keep things in line, where would I I have to do that? And I think that an individual that might be doing the bare minimum of his or her responsibility, not coming to the office and just living at home, not really keeping those relationships going. They're just doing work behind the scenes. That person is at risk for being one of those first individuals out. Um, And I'm not saying that coming into the office on a regular basis, why others are not, is going to save your job. But coming to the office, being around partners, being around administrative leaders, always keeps you in their vision. Yeah, always keeps you relevant. Um, you know, we've heard stories over the years, and I'll give you an example of a, of a technology team where uh, there was a back-end server network engineer that worked for a firm as one of our clients in Washington. And the CIO was coming in on a regular basis during the heart of the pandemic. Whenever he had a deep technical question that was really well above his technology knowledge, he always turned to this one individual who was in the office, who wasn't his top engineer, who wasn't the manager of the team but he was there most of the time. And he was there because he wanted to be there. It wasn't required for him to be there, but the two of them built a great rapport that they did not have before the pandemic. So again, hypothetical, there's an opportunity for a promotion um, because of, obviously, something happening technology-wise. There's a very good chance that person's gonna get a vision on the opportunity because they're always at the right place at the right time. And there is something to be said for that is you create your opportunity, you create your luck by putting yourself in the best position possible. And that technical engineer did that without even doing it for those reasons. Did it for, because he wanted to be there. He felt he could not be successful working from home. And naturally, he built a great rapport with, the, with their CIO. And it could have been over you know, a cup of coffee. It could have been just, let's go grab a bite to eat. Or could have been a, I've got a question. And rather than, you know, calling someone else on the phone or grabbing another member uh, on a a video like this, he was just walking out of the office. Or if that engineer was walking by his office, would just grab him and ask a question or two. And they built a very organic, natural, deeper relationship that they did not have before the pandemic.
0: If I could... um turn the dial uh, for a moment and now talk about um, lawyers. And um, and it seems like there have been more lateral moves over the last, call it 12, 24 months than there have been in a long, long time. Why is that? Can you speak to that?
1: Yep. I mean, again, I think to some extent, the attorney moves and the staff moves are not tremendously different. Uh But on the attorney side, Obviously, of course, it's, it's quality of life first and foremost. It's quality of life. You know, the story I always love to use is: you have an attorney who might be five or six years out of law school. Doesn't matter what school, doesn't matter what firm, doesn't matter what city. But if they're working in a major market—New York, or Washington, Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and others—you know they might now they might now be be married. Their spouse might be have been having consistent conversation even before the pandemic of you want to start a family. That attorney is recognizing that yes, they make a very good living working for an Am Law 100. There's an opportunity to take their career to more of a mid-sized firm, have a better opportunity to get on the partnership track, have a you know opportunity to kind of get those billable hours under control when firms return to the office or returning to the office, it's gonna look a little different at a bigger firm than at a, a smaller mid organization. Even though the larger firm in that major city may not expect them to be in the office that much, the question really comes in is how are they going to learn and grow if they're not around the partnership? And unfortunately, at some of the larger AMLO 100s, a lot of the partners are not coming into the office at all so that fourth year, fifth year associate, second or third year associate, if they're not around the partners, they're just doing work. Um, that mid-sized firm, the firm out of the city on the New Jersey side, as example, some of the Long Island firms, some of the firms that are in White Plains or Westchester, Connecticut, that are more suburban area, they are embracing what the culture of the firms used to be like before the pandemic. And if some of the candidates that are younger in their career, they are recognizing for them to blossom in their career, in their industry, they do need more face time with the partners.
0: Do, so do I think that- Jonathan, sorry to interrupt. Do, do associates, so on par, do associates, would you say, feel more inclined and more interested in being in person to be mentored? Or are they looking more for interested in that flexibility to work from wherever?
1: Well, I would say a little bit of both, to be honest. Again, there's 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 definitely not an associate out there that wants to be in the office five days a week, right? Because they don't they don't really know what that means unless they've been you know three years out of school, right? Um, but they do recognize that they're not going to be super successful in their professional development by doing what you and I are doing right now, which is talking to somebody only on video. Um, They do recognize being in a conference room with a partner, going, working on a project side by side with someone more senior than them is going to give them organic opportunity to learn and to grow. Again, believe me, I mean, my whole staff mainly wants to work from home and we've embraced that culture Well before the pandemic, we've been hybrid for as long as I can remember. Um, Every business is different, but a, a partner who's been practicing law for 20 or 30 years, plus or minus, they don't need to be in the office to continue their success. But to mentor and groom members of their team and other associates for the firm, they are doing a little bit of a disadvantage to those individuals by not being in the office more often and it is going to you know cause some problems over time doesn't mean that's the end all solution to come back to the office 5 days a week or work from home 5 days a week there's definitely some type of balance in between
0: and and i and i still maintain that we're still very early innings in all of this how it's absolutely. going to play out so absolutely um, well Jonathan, I, i'm watching the clock i want to be uh, respectful of your time I, I can't thank you enough for for taking the time to share your insight and the uh, the dynamics of the marketplace currently. Um, for those who uh, who would like to reach out to you, could you share, how do people get in touch with you?
1: Absolutely. So very easy to reach. Uh, my email address is jfriedman at friedmanwilliams.com. You can easily find me on LinkedIn um, and obviously on both my, uh, my webpage, through our business, both on the Freedom Williams side and the Grant Maxi side, all of my contact information is right there. So feel free to reach out, phone call, email, or text, and certainly would love to talk further.
0: Thanks so much, Jonathan. Uh, This has been another episode of Conversations with Cohen, your host, Craig Cohen. If you uh, you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe, uh, like, and comment if you have any further questions. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks again, Jonathan.